It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucratic the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, you were made for this moment. Thank you to this team that I get to work with, and that's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Thursday to you, producer Steve. Happy Thursday, and at the end of the day, we will be 80% of the way through the week. Uh-huh. Tell you, there's a lot going on out there, and time is... Uh, Time is of the essence, and that's why we do this show, as we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force. Force versus freedom, if something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Socialism is not about free stuff. That's the gateway drug to communism. Uh, Socialism ultimately has to come down to force because the idea is so bad that once people really understand it, they won't want to do it. So ultimately, it comes down to force, and force can come in a lot of different ways. It can be uh, with a weapon policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the agenda of the globalists on how we should live our lives. But uh, can you believe uh, inflation, 8.5%, will uh, we'll be in a situation of stagflation. That is where everything's costing more and what you're getting paid doesn't keep up with that. And uh, that is, uh, it seems, um, it takes away hope when that occurs. And it's because of public policy. It's, uh, it's because of Democrat policies that this is occurring, producer Steve. Well, our newest you know item we've added to the list is the elite globalist, and I want to commend this show for being right up there with some of the national shows. Everyone seems to be on the quest to make sure or educate uh, the masses to what this really means about the elite globalist and what they're up to. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I love the fact that more and more people are talking about this. And uh, back when I remember when people started to talk about Agenda 21, and oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. Well, we realized actually it was a real thing. All these globalists have met in Rio de Janeiro back in the early 90s, and they came up with the, these, this whole idea, uh, and they were going to control our lives through the narrative of environmentalism, global warming. Oh, wait, that didn't work, so now it's climate change. And, and my gosh, you see it at, po- and, at, at policies on the national level, the state level, the local level. Uh, it is permeating throughout, throughout our public policy. But as you mentioned, people are waking up, Producer Steve. And let's not forget our own homegrown. I mean, we, we try to tend to think of when the topic comes up, well, that's Klaus Schwab. He's not an American citizen. Well, we have our own homegrown uh, participant, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and uh, John Kerry, or I'm even going to put Barack Obama on that list. I mean, we're talking about global, I'm sorry, uh, environmental impact. Uh, what do we call it? The you just said it. 
how it impacts the earth and, you know, rising climate change, you know, climate change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Barack Obama goes out and buys this multimillion dollar mansion on Martha's Vineyard. You can't get closer, much closer to sea level than that. Right. Why would you buy such a big house? that do you think the uh, oceans are going to rise? Right. Right. So, now, oh, now, who was our guest? That now I've got to think about that. With that, um, back in the 1400s, uh, China actually had explorers that were going throughout the world to map the world, and they were able to navigate all the way around Greenland because uh, there was no ice there. And and so we, I think the thing about it, Steve, is it's just not an honest conversation. It doesn't really take in to account everything. It the the narrative is so that they can put in policies to control people's lives. It's not an honest narrative. I think that's the that's the real problem. Manipulation. Manipulation, for sure. So, hey, check out our website. It's uh, Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for the weekly new, new, uh, newsletter there. You'll get first look at all of the upcoming guests, most recent uh, essays, most recent podcasts. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us because we are an independent voice. I buy my airtime. Love working with Crawford Broadcasting, but it means that uh, we have to keep the lights on. And so I really appreciate all of you who support us. I appreciate these great sponsors that I have. And last night, Steve, the girls came over and it was Wednesday. So it was Wednesday at Hooters Restaurants. You buy 20 wings, you get 10 for free. And I did half lemon pepper rub, half uh, Texas barbecue rub of the smoked wings, crispy, and they were delicious. Well, I've we we talk about this every time you bring up your your menu and I'd love to come over and sample some of those things, but I just fear uh, accidentally cutting the line, and it got me in big trouble. You might get a fork in your hand. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's continue on here. Our qu- Well, yeah, let's go to the quote for the day, first of all. And it is Thomas Paine. I think you sent this over to me. I did. Uh, yeah, I think you did. Thomas Paine was an English-born political philosopher and writer who supported revolutionary causes in America and Europe. Published in 1776 to international acclaim, Common Sense was the first pamphlet to advocate for American independence. He was born in 1737. He died in 1809. And he said, to argue with a person who has renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. Well, reason and common sense are... They seem to be slipping away from us, and I, I can't really attribute the causes, but it, uh, when you get into this, these discussions sometimes, you realize that the other person, he's not reasoning, or she is not reasoning, or there's no application of reality and or common sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there will be a, percent, a, perc- excuse me, a percentage of the population that is just dead set in their opinions their emotions and they will not and well and obviously i mean thomas Paine. this was 1737 he was born he died in 1809 there's nothing new here steve it was the same then as it it was yeah it was the same then as it is now but yet he wrote common sense because he wanted to influence those that are could be influenced and i think there's a big broad 70 to 80 percent of the people out there that are looking for for common sense, if you will. And uh, so that's where we need to be focused on and not focused on the 20 to 30% who 
are um, basically renouncing reason. Well, on our very own show right here, we've had we had two guests who have made the same essential statement regarding the the other side, if you will, are being a a very finite minority. And we are still in the majority. But that finite minority is loud. They've got the press in their pocket. Uh, They can do a lot of damage. Well, they can. That's why it's up to each one of us to get our brains around these issues and to engage uh, with our friends, our family, and our colleagues uh, on these issues. And and uh, there's there are there i think it was jack weiler uh, dr james lyons weiler yesterday he said we're much bigger yes. we have a hundred thousand to one but we can't be silent we have to engage in this battle of ideas producer steve well you you see it pro- hopefully you, you don't see it in your family i see it in my extended family uh individuals on my in my wife's clan if you will uh who are fiercely proud that they helped deny Trump a second consecutive term. And at the same time now, they're living with all this in the inflation, uh, the price of energy, and they can't discuss that on any logical level. They're just glad that we kept Trump from a second term. Mm-hmm. Yes. So where's the reason? Where's the intelligence in that? Yeah, I, I know. I know that uh, we all have people in our lives that that fall into that camp, but we can't... We can't uh, stop working to engage. Last night, uh, I had Marshall Dawson, and he's one of my fellow Liberty Toastmasters, and he uh, typically is a guest when we have Liberty Toastmasters Day on the show. And he's put together a really good presentation regarding being able to communicate with people. And uh, I'm learning from him. I still have a lot to learn from him. But he's also, Steve, he uh, was nominated and accepted in the nomination to run for CD2. Uh, and that was down at the uh, State Assembly this weekend. And so Marshall is running for CD2. He's getting his website and everything up and running. And uh, uh, he's serious about uh, winning that winning that race. It, it, um, it's a bit daunting the way that district is configured right now. It's very heavily Democrat, but I think there's a lot of blue dog Democrats, unaffiliated Republicans, conservatives, libertarians that are looking at these policies and they realize it's so bad for America. And Joe Neguse, who is currently uh, the congressman in CD2, votes with Biden basically 100% of the time. And so that message needs to get out there. And uh, if you don't like how expensive it is to live your life right now and it's going to get more expensive you you really pr- should probably make a change there in cd2 well it's a story that's sitting here whether we get to it or not i don't know about the cost of government in colorado the fact that the uh, governor has started up x amount of new offices that didn't exist before he got into office and what's that doing to the cost of government well, it's uh, it's growing, and ultimately we all pay for that. It's a great way also to um, hire people that will support his policies, that will vote for him, and all of it is at the expense of everyday hardworking Coloradans and hardworking Americans because there's a lot of money that's been coming in from the federal government. And uh, also then that money coming in from the federal government is also our children's money. So there's something really not good about that growth of government, Producer Steve. 
Well, you know, the the money that's coming in from the federal government, uh, ultimately, where did the feds get it? Well, A, from all of us, yeah. and B, borrowing from the future. There you go. Yes. That's it. That's a comprehensive explanation. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, before we go to break, and we'll come back and talk about the bill of the day, uh, we've talked about the big, I, I want to say, brouhaha. The, the state assembly was fascinating. The GOP um, assembly was fascinating this weekend. And we've talked about it. Uh, there was a nomination from the floor uh, regarding Attorney General Stanley Thorne. Uh, come to find out, he's uh, registered unaffiliated, and you and I both know a lot of people that have gotten really frustrated with the Republican Party and have changed their affiliation, but uh, registered unaffiliated and licensed to practice law in Texas. Well, the bylaws of the um, of the GOP is is that you have to have been a registered Republican for 30 days if you're going to run for office. Uh, as a Republican, and then I don't know if it's state statute or in the Constitution, but you have to be in good standing with the Colorado Supreme Court. So he would need to be licensed uh, to practice law here in Colorado as well. So, uh, but was trying to get the information on that. Patty did a really good job of researching that, but I put a call in to Christy Burton Brown, the state GOP chair, as well as Chris Murray, the uh, state GOP legal counsel. And I did talk with Christy yesterday and appreciate it. She said that she's been a little busy. And I'm like, I bet you have been <laughs> with all the, all the um, things going on out there. But I do appreciate the, the fact that she uh, gave me a call and we did uh, just talk a little bit about that. So I wanted to say thank you to Christy Burton Brown for doing that, producer Steve. You know, I, I, you know, frankly, uh, doctor, yeah, doctor, <laughs> Thorne used to do a, a show, a program here in KLZ, and through that I got to know him. I've, I've spoken with him many times since he's uh, left Crawford Broadcasting. Those two things that you bring up regarding his nomination, why didn't the people who, that, you know, that was a floor that came from the floor, right? Right, right. Why didn't those people know these things? That's That's really the question out there. Uh, and that's one of the things that uh, there's a big brouhaha about that, um, which that makes that's common sense, Steve. It seems like that should have been checked out and figured out. Common what? <laughs> common sense. But the other component of it is, is that there's this concern about election deception deniers. And I, I think there's also this other message. A, you're correct that that should have been checked out. And there are those that say, gosh, it makes us makes Republicans look um, dumb, I guess. I don't know what else to say. But on the other hand, uh, I think there is also this message that there is a big, broad group of everyday people that want to make sure that we have free, fair, honest in elections and are frustrated the way things have been occurring in Colorado. So that's the bigger message. Uh, so, yes, those things should have been checked out. B, there's a big, big concern about what's happening in Colorado. Uh, now that this has been figured out, we need to move on and elect candidates who care about election security, care about our country, care about our state. It's time to rally around our great candidates, Producer Steve. Well, I, you know, again, <laughs> I always come up with this response and it's not very intelligent on my part, but 
I'm not. I have no argument against mm-hmm. that, and I, I kind of wish we could move back in that direction, move to the center. Hmm. The center. So what does we're going to have to go to break? When you come back, I want to talk about that. Uh, so uh, be sure and just uh, just stay tuned. I've got to think about that conversation of moving to the center and what that means. We're going to go through the bill of the day. Stay tuned. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. So we've got this. We're going to leave that out there about moving to the center. Um, but before we um, get into get into that discussion, let's go to our bill of the, bill of the day. And it is Senate Bill 22118. The sponsors are Senators Rob Woodward, Republican, and Nick Henriksen, Democrat, and Representatives Richard Holtorf, Republican, and um, Donald Valdez, who is a Democrat, so it's bipartisan. It's the Encourage Geothermal Energy Use by providing similar treatment to solar energy and in connection therewith making an appropriation. And if I remember right, I think Valdez has... um, is uh, either owns or is very involved with a solar energy company. And Rob Woodward and Richard Holthorff are typically very conservative um, legislators. So I'm not quite sure what I, I think about this. The appropriation, I think, Steve, you said, is about $15,000. And uh, it says... Um, It requires the Colorado Energy Office to develop basic consumer education and guidance about leased or purchased geothermal installation in consultation with industries that offer these options to consumers. Uh, It it just goes through a whole variety of things. I really probably need to talk to the guys about this because it seems like it's just a small component of our energy portfolio. And the big elephant in the room here in Colorado is the the legislature, the Democrat legislature, and the governor that are really trying to make it difficult for our oil and gas um, companies to uh, to grow and and uh, and therewith uh, energy prices have been going up. So I, I don't quite know if I, I think this is really necessary. I don't know, Steve. What do you think? Well, I I would have to really do a lot of more educating myself to be able to speak you know to the full extent uh my first pass on it though says you can't do this on a scale big enough to make up difference 
Yeah. I'm thinking of all the places that we know of, the, the resort areas that are built around, would you say the name of that? Uh, Glenwood Springs. Glenwood Springs. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's probably mm-hmm. the most obvious, the most popular, where you have the big pools of uh, water, hot water that are heated mm-hmm. via ge- geothermal you know, breakthrough, the Earth's crust. I don't see them being able to do that on a scale that makes it feasible. I mean, mm-hmm. the cost would be horrendous, and mm-hmm. the payback would take, I don't know how many years to, you know, to to pay back just the costs of trying to implement it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it says that it's expanding clean, reliable, and more affordable sources of energy. Um, you and I agree. I think a, it's, uh, we want to... A great goal. Yeah. yeah, it's a great goal. Uh, however, we need to make sure that we have abundant reliable, efficient, and affordable energy. And that's the, that's the elephant in the room on that. Okay, Steve, let's, um, let's go back to what does, you mentioned, uh, how about moving to the, oh, before we do that though, Patty also, she um, put together some really important information. So I need to get, get on this because our, many of the special district elections are coming up right now. And uh, that might be your, Road and um, it could be your sewer district, it could be your your roads, it could be your parks and recreation, and those elections are coming up, and they really affect our lives, big time. So, uh, uh, so several things here. She said, for the primary election, May twenty seventh. Uh, the ballots for the June twenty eighth primary election must be printed and in possession of the county clerk. June 6th is the first day that mail ballots for the June 28th primary may be mailed. That's right around the corner. It's the last day for voters who are unaffiliated with a political party to change or withdraw their affiliation if they wish to vote in a different party's primary election. So I think most of the Democrats are unopposed. So ideally, I mean, ultimately they could... Uh, change their affiliation. They could come in and they could knock out the candidate that could be the real challenger to the Democrats. And um, I mean, I wouldn't put it past a strategy on that, Producer Steve. Says June 10th is the last day to send out initial mail ballots for the June 28th primary. June 13th is the first day to begin counting mail ballots received for the June 28th primary. And uh, June 20th, the last day for an individual to submit a voter registration application and still receive a ballot in the mail. June 21st, if the county clerk receives a voter registration application within the eight days before the June 28th primary, the clerk must process the application and inform the applicant that they will not receive a mail ballot. To receive a ballot, the applicant must uh, visit a voter service polling center. June 28th is the primary election. And it does say that all ballots must be received by the county clerk by 7 p.m. I do like that instead of having another week or so to get those ballots, Steve. I read through this this morning and my head's kind of spinning and I don't want to be a slug. But is this structure supposed to be something that the public really uh, adheres to or understands or is mindful of? There's like, what, six or seven different dates that you just read off. Um, I'm whining. Yeah. I admit it. Yeah. Uh, they are the dates. I mean, this is this is the way elections are supposed to be run in Colorado right now. All right. Well, fine. and so it's confusing. There's a lot going on out there. Okay. One other thing: the special district elections are mail-in ballots only. The ballots should arrive around April 13th. Actually, I've gotten a couple. They must re- be returned by May 3rd. These are super important elections. You've gotten. I've gotten two. 
I haven't. I think I've gotten South Suburban, and I, the other one just came yesterday. I'm not sure. So what you may need to do is, um, oh, gosh, I've got to think how we can help people out on this. Uh, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, we're going to go to break here in just a minute. I don't think we're going to get to the moving to the center a question here, Steve. We may have to leave that out there and I, let that percolate maybe for the next hour. I dug myself a hole. And you're standing there with a shovel. I know it. So, um. so you're glad that Karen Levine's on the line. Yes, I am. <laughs> Karen Levine is a great sponsor of both the shows. She is a REMAX realtor. It's a crazy market out there. Uh, it's great to have her on your side of the table if you're buying your home, selling your home, looking at a new build. Karen Levine, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. And you were over last night. Did you get any of those wings? Because they were really good. Those were very good wings. Yes. We, uh, didn't, have, we didn't have quite a spread last night, so thank goodness for the wings. <laughs> we never know. Everybody's supposed to bring something to share. And uh, they were more on the beverage side than on the food side last night, Karen. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Was that, was that a um, reflection of the state assembly? I'm not sure. <laughs> it may be. It may be. So, okay, springtime. Here in the Rockies, it's normally spring buying, selling season for homes. What's going on out there, Karen? Well, the good news is is inventory is increasing as we generally anticipate it to do. So there are more choices out there for buyers, but the competition continues to be very fierce. The first quarter data was just released from the Colorado Association of Realtors, and homes are selling for about 5% above their list price, and that's statewide. Uh, we're finding here in the front range that um, it's closer to 10%. So buyers need to be prepared to go out into this market and to be able to compete in the market so they can be successful and obtain that home ownership. And we have a great strategy that we're using with the DeVito Dreammaker team, of which I'm a part of, and it is working and that is just addressing a lot of the contingencies in a contract uh, that the buyer is waiving for the benefit of the seller, but we can still pro- provide protection for them. Okay. So it was it was great. When you arrived last night, you had your hors d'oeuvre and everything, but you're also like, I have to write a contingent offer. And so here you were doing all these different things. I thought, oh, my gosh, she's, she certainly um, is taking care of her clients for sure. Yeah, we had an offer come in on the listing and needed to get it countered and back out last night. And hopefully today we will find that we were able to put the buyer and seller together because it really is the right buyer for this property and a seller that's willing to work with them. So, Okay. And uh, Karen Levine, it is very important to have uh, you on your side of the table if you're buying, selling, or a new build. And how can people reach you? They can reach me at 303 303- Eight seven 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 five one six, and I would just say, with regards to the new build arena, there is a lot of product out there available uh, in that mid five hundreds to seven hundreds. You have to have time on your side, which means you have to be willing to be patient and maybe not get into a home until the end of the year. Uh, but there's a little less competition, but there's still competition, and we're. Uh, I have a really good handle on that. So I want 
your listeners to know that I'm available to help them. Well, and uh, the thing with new bills is my understanding is it doesn't cost anything for the buyer, but they need to have you come in on the, that very initial component. Uh, so, And you can really help them navigate through that as well. And so you really want somebody on your side of the table that has your best interest in mind. Right. And, and people don't buy and sell homes every day. I do help people do that every day. So I understand the new home market. I understand uh, how to help them get through the process and to know what their rights are and what the builder is imposing on them and those type of things. And they builders speak in a different language. And so I think the consumer needs to be aware of that. And the builder just asks that if you're interested in a new build that you bring me with you on the initial uh, visit and then they're fine with you going back, you know, to double check on a model or check on what's included, et cetera. But they, they just have asked that we come along with you on that first visit. So if you're interested, give me a call and we'll get you out to those projects. And again, that number is 303-877-7516, 303-877-7516. Karen, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. That sounds great. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, Pam Long, uh, she is... Um, Formally, she was a captain in the Army Medical Service Corps. She's a West Point grad. She really, one of the things that she really is, has watched is this medical surveillance of, uh, of us. And she's uh, written a great essay that we will publish this weekend in the newsletter uh, about the medical surveillance from womb to tomb. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Pam Long. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly news, uh, newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. Um, on the line with me is Pam Long, and uh, uh, formerly a captain in the Army uh, Medical Service Corps, West Point grad, uh, and she is writing regular uh, essays for us as well. Pam Long, welcome to the show. Good morning. Pam, uh, I remember the first time I heard somebody say that data is the new oil. And uh, we really have, have seen that with big tech and uh, data. And we realize that the government is keeping all kinds of data on us. And this particular piece that you've done is regarding the Colorado Immunization Information System, CIIS. So tell us about this. 
Well, Kim is a watchdog of our state health department for almost a decade now. I can tell you that CIS is what we call it. The CIS database is the greatest threat to personal liberty for both children and adults in Colorado. The goal of this database in the CDC strategic plan is, I quote, real-time consolidated immunization data for all ages available for authorized public health users and consumers anytime and anywhere. And so this, end quote, the, the vaccine data in this database will be the source data for any form of a vaccine passport system connected to real ID in position to block your access to school, work, travel, medical facilities, even if the records are inaccurate, which, which frequently they are. Well, Steve, during the break, said, why don't you ask Pam about these potential new digital license plates um, that they're talking about that we people might be able to get at this point would be voluntary. What's your thoughts on that, Pam? Oh, man, that, that's a whole nother tangent. But they work in a system, right, of surveillance and the positioning themselves to limit your freedom, right? A digital license plate is a terrible threat to freedom. If, if you're in, in, in any type of noncompliance, whatever the new rules of society are, whether it's your vaccine status or something else, the government has the power to turn off your license plate and make you an illegal driver. Um, I mean, we have to look at the big picture here this, and do a better cost-benefit analysis because the threat is not just the cost of these systems. This costs taxpayers $1.5 million annually. But the freedom threat, because the accuracy is not even up to national standards of 85% of providers reporting. It, it actually ranges from 40 to 70% of providers. And moreover, I would argue, to answer Steve's question, the goal is not even accuracy in these systems. It's tracking, surveillance, and coercion. And with the CIS database, it's coercion for vaccine uptake. It's not choice. It's not informed consent. It's increased product sales with tools embedded in it for reminder, recall, and home visit interventions to help you make your choice to be yes. Home intervention. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I really feel that our children are at risk. Uh, and there's, I think there's lots of different issues out there regarding our children. Um, there has legislation that's going through the the state house now uh, regarding putting um, med- uh, let's see what is it uh, now I'm drawing a blank but like medical offices in uh, medical clinics in schools and Pam I see big danger with that and of course then all of this uh, data on our kids on whether or not they've had a vaccine uh, changing the the World Health Organization is cha- is trying to change the age of uh, medical consent to 11 years old I mean these are just kids and uh, I'm, I'm concerned about that Pam what's your thoughts well there's two sides to this so um, on the negative side these ho- these school clinics they are not neutral they are there on behalf of pharma and agendas to sell two products, really. One is um, vaccines. So maybe your family declined a vaccine and they will pull your child in and tell the child the benefit of any particular vaccine. Maybe the HPV vaccine for a sexually transmitted disease is usually the most targeted. But also gender transition that, you know, maybe a child is confused and they they will play the confidentiality card and that, um, you know, they will 
they will put themselves between the parent and the child in an inappropriate way and promote, um, you know, gender transition services because there's big money in, behind these services. And on the positive side, if you think of um, your school, local control has always been better for privacy. Your electronic health records for adults and your school records for your children, those, when they're locally controlled at the school level and not in a database, they tend to be more private and secure with better regulations governing privacy. It's when we get these big statewide databases like this that now you have them connected to a federal registry where a big brother type of surveillance is tracking um, not not only children, but from, like I said, from womb to tomb, all the way through adults, you cannot get out of these databases completely. So you, you have to look at both aspects of, you know, the, the strengths and weaknesses of how we can um, protect privacy in medical records. And Pam, I, I've realized that the radical activists that are pushing this, I mean, I feel that this is coming from the global agenda, uh, and which I think is an attack on everyday, hardworking, middle-class uh, Americans. Um, it, it, there's, there's, um, I'm, I'm concerned regarding the fact that this data is not about taking care of people, but it's about controlling people. Right. So what, what public health tells consumers is we are promoting interoperability. We are modernizing. You will get better, faster services with all this data in, in an electronic form. That's the spin. Um, in reality, uh, and I'll tell you, it's, it's confidential and it's HIPAA compliant. In reality, HIPAA is a permission slip for the government to share your data. And the only confidential relationship is between the patient and the doctor. The second it goes into an electronic form or a database, there, there is no capability of confidentiality. So public health, I mean, they are experts in spin on not only deceiving the public into believing this is private and confidential and protected, it, there's been several security data concerns in the state audits, but also that this is a good thing. This is in your favor. And the research shows when parents are, and consumers are given a choice of whether to opt into one of these databases or to opt out and maintain privacy, parents and consumers choose privacy every time. And Okay. And Pam, the radical activists, globalists, have been playing long ball. Um, because as I'm looking at the the beginning of your article or your essay, excuse me, it it looks like uh, so 1992 there was something it was House Bill 1208, uh, and that was regarding tracking infants up to 24 months in rural and remote areas for vaccine accessibility. I mean, am I reading that right? Did this happen in 1992? It did in, in, in many states, and this is a classic example of foot-in-the-door strategy for this, you know, long-term um, goal that, like you said, the elitists are really good at this long-term goal, where this does not sound nefarious in 1992. They say a small grant program to help infants in rural remote areas get it, make sure they have access to vaccines. Nobody is opposed to that. You know, that is mm-hmm. just, that's, that's just good public health, right? But then today, 2022, we're talking about vaccine passports, and this same system now is being utilized to hold the data, again, whether it's accurate or not, 
to block your access to participating in society, going to work, school, medical facilities, travel, right? You see where they got their foot in the door in 1992. Okay, and was that Colorado or was that uh, federally? That is Colorado, but it did happen in the majority of other states on a similar timeline. Again, because it seems like something back in 1992 makes sense, but... It was in the 90s then that we really were off to the races regarding the number of vaccines that we were giving our children uh, because it's grown significantly since, um, you know, since the 80s. Right. In 1988, we tripled the vaccine schedule for uh, pediatric populations with, with most adults really not aware and because that's when we removed liability on the national level. So all of a sudden we need three times as many vaccines for children. And today, a child, a minor, the recommended CDC schedule is 72 doses from birth to age 18. I, I mean, think about that. Try to wrap your head around it for those of us who are older and maybe received, you know, 10. I received a few more being in the military, but 72 doses. I mean, you have to just sit and ask yourself, what is my limit? How many uh, doses am I willing to take, especially the majority of those, like 56 of those doses, are before age five. You know, there's no cumulative research that shows that, that the cumulative effect of that in those critical stages of development is safe. I was talking with somebody the other day about television ads, and uh, um pharmaceuticals are the majority of the ads that I see on television. And when I was a kid, I'm going to date myself now. And uh, actually, I had TV. I'm not sure that producer Steve had TV. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you have a TV, Steve? Continue. <laughs> okay. But but I re- I mean, they advertise washer and dryers and cereal and detergent. And now it's primarily pharmaceuticals because it's such big business. And again, long ball, we're talking 1992, that was 30 years ago. And probably a lot of people that passed this thought they were doing something good. But I, I, I think that, as you mentioned, a camel's nose under the tent, and it makes it more difficult to fight this. And now we now are in 2022, and the camel is in the tent, and we understand what it is. And that's why we need to be pushing back on this, Pam Long. Well, that's a good point. And, and, you know, if I could offer solutions and hope this morning, I mean, because tomorrow's Good Friday. Um, we need a lot of prayer on this this particular database and really uh, a new governor who will appoint a new uh, state health director who's a conservative and will see it for what it is. But so if there's people at home thinking, you know, I wonder if I should get involved in campaigns and talking, you know, I need motivation to talk to unaffiliated voters. This is it right here. This one database should, should I don't want to say scare you, I should say motivate you to start talking to those unaffiliated voters of the potential of the threat to freedom in this database. And regarding their children. So let's go to break. I have Pam Long on the line. We're talking about a piece that we'll be rolling out in the newsletter this weekend, so be sure and sign up for that at Kim Munson. Dot com, but it's basically medical surveillance from womb to tomb. And uh, we're Americans. Uh, and, and this is against, I mean, it's antithetical to the Constitution. But let's go to break. Before we do that, though, Kirsch Insurance Group is another great sponsor of the show. And they are experts in the Medicare arena, government, 
Medicare is a government program. You need to, it's hard to navigate. It's complicated, and that's why it's great to have Kirsch Insurance Group on your side of the table. It doesn't cost you anything. More information, check out iKirsch.com. That's iKirsch, I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. We'll be right back with Pam Long. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, Pam Long has written a very important essay, and that's regarding medical surveillance from womb to tomb. And she hits 10 points on this. Pam, I wanted to, I want to get to hope because Good Friday is tomorrow, and it does seem daunting. Um, and I, as, I, as we were talking about the camel's nose under the tent, the camel is in the tent. We see it. Uh, people are shedding light on it. But your, point, your sixth point regarding coercion... And I'm just thinking this is remarkable that we are using public dollars to pay, uh, to basically pay for home visits for people to, to go out and it could be regarding vaccines to actually push, to push a product. Uh, it's remarkable to me that that is occurring and can occur here in America. Well, in it, there's an example of here of the government, how they, how our legislators, they gaslight the public. So I briefed uh, my concerns of the lack of consumer protections on the CIS database in 2019 before the pandemic. And the response um, to my concerns about this whole reminder, recall, home visit, this intrusion on, on coercing uptake for vaccines, the answer, the response was, oh, we're not even using home visits. So no problem, right? Even though it's authorized and it's funded and it's ready to go. And then what did we see during the pandemic? We saw we're now using home visits. We'll send mm-hmm. a team mm-hmm. to your home to offer you a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it just you have to you have to be cognizant of that when you're talking to lawmakers and and uh, you know that if it's in writing, then it's in the plan. Absolutely, and I'm just thinking about the red flag law. Uh, because we've had, I, I read it, and this is regarding 
um, if somebody is accused that they might be a danger to themselves or to those around them, that uh, law enforcement can come in and take their firearms with no due process. And that should concern all of us. And when I talk to people regarding the red flag law and they say, yeah, but we hardly ever use it. Uh, and, um, you know, it's in there, but, you know, we're not really probably going to use it that often. It's like, wait a minute, it's in there. And that's what concerns me regarding that. So same thing here. If, it, if, it sh- if it's something that would be a concern, down the road, then we need to make sure that we take those things out. And lots of times I think legislators, elected uh, elected representatives, sometimes I don't think they see the long ball danger on it. I, I, and I'm not blaming them because it's taken me a while to try to get my brain around what the, uh, um, I'm, I'm going to say, unintended or intended consequences could be down the road, Pam. Right. And the hope here is, is informing your listeners of their rights. You do not have to answer the door for someone that comes to your house if if they want, unless they have a warrant, and it should have your name on it. It can't be a generic warrant for anyone they want to, you know, enter the home of. It needs to be signed by a judge with your name on it, not some generic form for without your name on it and with for cause. And if they don't have a warrant, you don't have to answer the door. You can call for legal assistance. You need to know your rights in on this topic for vaccines that there are three exemptions in this state, medical, religious, and personal belief or philosophical, that you can say, no, thank you, because they often, um, vaccine providers will not tell you, inform you that you have the right to exempt and what the process is for that. And that includes because the people who are targeted tend to be Latino, Latina, uh, pregnant women, um, English as a second language, immigrants, um, low income, uh, so they tend to target people who maybe um, don't know their rights or don't um, have resource legal resources. So it's very important for us to be informing our friends and family and neighbors that you have rights. You don't have to open the door if someone comes to your house and you can exempt because often that's the missing part of the conversation and that's ultimately coercion. Okay. And uh, so basically you're saying just get your brain around what this this issue is. But there's so much pressure uh, regarding, for example, the COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, it's remarkable to me to see, uh, to see a bus going down the street with um, a woman on the side, you know, in an ad on the bus with her, her sleeve up and her arm up saying, I'm getting the vaccine. I mean, there's this public pressure, which I'm just kind of shocked by. Pam? Right. And oftentimes, you know, people view that as a service. But on the flip side, um, there's also, you know, um, did they inform you of contraindications? Maybe you were contraindicated for that vaccine they offered you. Were you given the lot number to put in your record in case there's an adverse reaction that you can trace it back to the vaccine and know what, you know, the ingredients are and potentially look it up as a hot lot? There's a lot of missing pieces in those mobile clinics and those home visits that um, do not serve consumers. They're not required to offer informed consent and contraindications and documentation per se. And oftentimes when they're coming to your home uninvited, I think that is just implicitly coercion because if you really wanted those services, you would seek them out. Right. 
Right. Let's talk a little bit more about our kids and school. Uh, You have been on this as well regarding uh, Colorado is um, basically releasing information on vaccine status, not at this point each individual child, but I think that's coming next, Pam. Right. If you're like, oh, Pam, I think you're taking like a negative critical view to this program. Well, let me tell you, (laughs) it's been so in 2016, CDPT, the state health department, decided we want all these records. We want all this data. But they went about it illegally. They created a new state form that circumvented FERPA. FERPA are your privacy rights at local schools, which tell the schools, no, you cannot share medical records with anyone, including the state, without written prior parental consent. Well, so there was a four-year battle with the health department over how illegal their new forms were. So what they did on a Sunday during the pandemic when most people were in lockdown mode is they pushed a bill through, Senate Bill 163, which finally legalized their illegal state form um, that feeds into the FIS database um, with really no true opt-out. So it just tells you they will do anything to get this data, which should be a huge red flag. The big question is why? Do you know the answer to that, Pam? Well, again, in my critical view of this, this data will populate real ID, or which is which will be connected to some form of a vaccine passport system, which will uh, coerce your compliance with 72 doses of vaccines and then all future vaccines, which include um, mRNA, COVID, uh, HIV, influenza, and RSV. So, you know, maybe you don't care about your vaccine exemption rights today in your medical privacy but maybe when that next product comes out that has you know been rushed through in an experimental vaccine uh, then maybe you might want to uh, start to care about your medical privacy and your exemption rights Uh, i think that there's a big wake up regarding our our freedom and uh, um, my gosh, on this whole vaccine thing. Uh, and that's, I think you and I got connected maybe in 2019. And I was kind of late to the, the party of understanding this. And a number of moms reached out because some of those vaccine bills were going through the state house. And that's where we have the, the soundbite. I think it's I think it's on Thursdays when we open the show with, um, I looked at the legislation and I'm like, I see danger, danger here where, uh, it would give the power of an unelected bureaucrat to dictate what we put in our bodies. And looking into the future, I thought, there is danger, danger here. And then we go through COVID, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we're here. We're here, and there's many maneuvers that we could u- we could utilize under a new governor who, you know, with funding and with rulemaking and, and, and putting some con- – there are no consumer protections in this in this program, mm-hmm. which is what my essay is about, the, mm-hmm. the, the 10 I would recommend. And so, you know, this election really, really matters. But the good news today is that um, we're looking at about, you know, 40% of people now are questioning – and the the schedule of vaccines and all of this entire system. So, you know, that's a big increase in people on team freedom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's why we have to continue to shed light on this. That's why we do the show. That's why you are writing these great essays for for us as well. And again, we'll roll that out. We've got a minute left, Pam. How would you like to button this up? (laughs) Please get involved with the campaign to reelect 
a freedom-loving governor. It's not Polish. <laughs> True that. And yes, uh, this is our time. Colorado is at the tip of the spear, and we do have uh, some freedom-loving candidates out there, grassroots candidates that love our state, love the people of Colorado, and they've stepped forward and, and are running for office, and so it is super important. Pam Long, I so, uh, so appreciate all the great work that you're doing uh, on so many different fronts. Thank you so much. Okay. And again, we're going to be rolling that out in our newsletter this weekend. So be sure and check that out and and sign up for our weekly newsletter so that you get first look at all of these uh, great things. The quote for today is, I think it's so appropriate for this conversation regarding these forced vaccinations and the the medical uh, uh, surveillance from womb to tomb. And it's by Thomas Paine. He said, the greatest tyrannies are always perpetuated in the name of the noblest causes. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you and God bless America. It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And uh, thank you to each of you for listening. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Strive for excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this time in history. And uh, happy Thursday to you, Producer Steve. I get this great team that I get to work with, and that's Producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Echo, Charlie, everybody here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. And it all goes back to you. I mean, yeah, we're a group, a good group. We got our arms linked in getting this, making this happen, but it's all under your guidance. (laughs) Well, we, we put out an awful lot of content, Producer Steve. (laughs) <laughs> Some of it not airworthy in terms of references to my age. <laughs> it's just too much fun. I can't resist it from time to time. You know what they say about paybacks. I know it. I know it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Uh, great show planned for you. We talked with Pam Long in the first segment regarding this essay that will roll out this weekend that she's written regarding medical surveillance from womb to tomb. Important 
essay, Important Conversation. This uh, this hour, the featured guest will be Dr. Paul Prentice. He's done an academic study, uh, Unequal Opportunities, Unequal Outcomes, the COVID-19 Recession in Colorado. And uh, so we'll talk with him in segments two and three this hour. And then Collins, the last segment, that number is 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. Steve, you're looking at me. Pensive. I'm just thinking about your, your referring to uh, Dr. Prentice in this age of where equity is the goal and everything. How could there be unequal outcomes? That's why this is going to be a really important conversation. Okay. Okay. And so that's in segments two and three. And my friends, since we've added on the second hour, the way it works is six to eight, we're live. The six to seven hour is rebroadcast one to two in the afternoon. And the seven to eight hours rebroadcast 10 to 11. The podcast with the, the uh, daily show is posted on our website by the end of the day. And um, so, yeah, you can you can hear the show a lot of different times, and that's uh, pretty important. Our quote for the uh, beginning of the show, and this is one that Steve found, is Thomas Paine. He was an English-born political philosopher and writer who supported revolutionary causes in America and Europe. Uh, published in 1776 to international acclaim, Common Sense was the first pamphlet to advocate for American independence. He was born in 1737. He died in 1809. And he said this. He said, to argue with a person who has renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. And that was back then. So there's nothing new in each generation. We, we still have a number of people that have, have renounced the use of reason. Uh, therefore, CNN and MSNBC. Yes, but a lot of people are waking up. Uh, we're seeing more and more people are waking up. And the way we have to engage in this battle of ideas is one person at a time. We're gaining listenership one person at a time. Tell your friends ab- about this, that we're searching for truth and clarity on this show by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And if something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And, and remember, if it is never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether it's with a weapon, a policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the uh, globalist elite's view on how you should live your life. Right, Steve? That the the last one, the globalist globalist elite view thing. Uh, you know, we we put that up. That's homegrown. You can't get any more homegrown than <laughs> the two of us putting our heads together and saying we need to find a way to, you know, put that on the list where it, as soon as it's heard, it makes perfect sense. It, it does, and uh, and and if this has been occurring. This agenda has been. Has been put in place, and when we talked to Pam, one of the very first things regarding uh, the assault on our medical freedom was back in 1992, and of course that was right around the time that um, there was the big World Economic Forum meeting down in Rio de Janeiro, where they came up with Agenda 21, and um, yes, and so that was 30 years ago. So. As Pam and I were talking about it, that that was one of the first things regarding medical surveillance with the camel's nose under the tent. The great thing about 2022 is the camel is now in the tent. We can see it, and we need to address what to do about it, Steve. Well, you know, in your discussion with Pam, you guys talked a little bit about uh, Big Pharma. 
and the way they're advertising and you you have to know that this is happening because their their ads are incredibly dumb uh the the uh trade names of the new pharmaceuticals they're pushing are equally dumb uh the commercials are all two and three minutes and you know they can't be ignored but you after a while you watch it and you say we are becoming a nation of consumers of pharmaceuticals the way it's being marketed and would they have a cure for everything a pill for everything it the disclaimers though are are somewhat interesting i'm thinking well if if that's what happens if i take it maybe i shouldn't take it years ago to open up a a sermon uh the pastor at the church i was going to he had been down for about a week with some very serious respiratory uh issues but he couldn't help but bring that prescription to the podium with him and he read all the disclaimers and after he got done with it i mean it was it was laughable (laughs) well and i appreciate modern medicine I, I appreciate antibiotics. I appreciate that. But it's it's gotten out of control is what's happened. And then we get into the medical surveillance and uh, you know, vaccine status. And, and that's what we're so concerned about. It's like you always make want to make me make sure that it's like solar and wind. We're not opposed to that. What we're opposed to is the coercion and the public policy that is trying to take away uh, the the freedom to make our choices regarding our energy sources. Um, it's the government coercion on all this that I'm so concerned about, Producer Steve. Or the fact that whatever technology they're pushing is not mature mm-hmm. yet. And, and yet they're pushing it like there are no drawbacks here. What could possibly go wrong? And yeah, we need to do this. Yes. And so that's why we're, we're continuing to have this conversation. Quickly, our bill of the day is Senate Bill 22118 to encourage geothermal energy use. Um, and it has bipartisan support. A couple of, of good conservatives, Senators Rob Woodward and uh, uh, Representative Richard Holthorff have their names on it, as well as a couple of Democrats. And it says it modifies the following statutory provisions that apply to solar energy so that they also apply to geothermal energy, which generally is using the heat of the earth to generate electricity or to heat or cool space or water. And solar energy is treated favorably uh, through public policy here in Colorado. Geothermal energy is apparently going to be um, treated the same way. Um, as we mentioned, we're in all of the above, but government, I don't think, really should be picking winners and losers, I think what we need to do is let our free market make those decisions, get a lot of this um, rules and regulations out of these energy businesses and let them compete and provide a product at uh, affordable, efficient, reliable, and abundant energy for each and every one of us, Producer Steve. So um, I, is this picking winners and losers? It uh, it seems like it's just a little small component of everything of our energy usage there, Steve. I just cannot picture them doing this on a scale that would make a big difference. Yeah, they'll build a, a small-scale model somewhere like down the street in Glenwood Springs, and it, it'll drive enough power to, build, uh, to power 10 homes. But that's not a, a good enough scale. I, I know. So anyway, that's uh, what we have uh, regarding our bill of the day. We're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking with Dr. Paul Prentiss regarding this uh, academic study he did on unequal opportunities 
unequal outcomes, the COVID-19 recession in Colorado. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. REMAX Realtor Karen Levine helps bring to life the individual stories of our servicemen and women. With her sponsorship of America's Veterans Stories with Kim Munson, Karen honors the sacrifices of our military and is grateful for our freedom. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen works to protect private property rights for all of us. Karen has a heart for our active duty military and veterans and is honored to help you buy or sell your home. Call Karen Levine at 303-877-7516 to help you navigate buying or selling your home. That's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And uh, thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate that. We're an independent voice and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You should not have to force people to do it. And uh, Dr. Paul Prentice contracts with the Independence Institute here in Colorado as a senior fellow in in the Fiscal uh, Policy Center. He was the chief macroeconomist at the U.S. Department of Agriculture under President Reagan. He has also been a visiting scholar at the U.S. Department of Treasury. Uh, And he earned his uh, bachelor's in mathematics and his Ph.D. in agricultural economics from the University of Connecticut. Dr. Prentice, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me. Well, this is an important piece that you have written, and uh, people can find this at the Independence Institute. It's an academic study, Unequal Opportunities, Unequal Outcomes, the COVID-19 Recession in Colorado. Uh, So, Dr. um, Prentice, tell us, you know, kind of give us the overview, first of all, of this academic study. Uh, Sure, Kim. Uh, First of all, I want to give a tremendous amount of thanks to my student intern. The Institute gave me a uh, a student intern to do some of the data mining research because it was a lot of work. Um, And his name is Jim Royal from the University of Chicago. So thanks to the Institute and thanks to Jim for helping out on this study. Uh, Kim, we have three major findings that are outlined in the report, and the report is thoroughly researched, uh, referenced, and cited uh, as to sources and methodology. So anybody that wants to really dig into it can. Uh, The three major conclusions were the following. Number one, the economic impact of the lockdown was so much more extreme than even we had expected to find. It was absolutely shocking. I'll go through the data in, in a little bit. Number two, that shocking amount of economic damage was highly concentrated among Coloradans of low-income levels and minority Coloradans. And then number three, the lockdown appears to be all for nothing in terms of health outcomes. There's no discernible difference between any states that had a severe lockdown and those that didn't have a lockdown, the difference between the actual health death rates outcome from COVID. So it was a, a policy instituted with all costs and no benefits 
And uh, Kim, I suggest it takes a special kind of policymaker to come up with that. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. And so you got some questions. Yeah, you, got, you got some questions. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Economic impact. Uh, what did you find there regarding the state of Colorado? Sure. In Colorado, we, we found a $30 billion loss of economic activity. That's what we call a gross domestic product at the state level. $30 billion. And isn't $30 billion a lot of money even to a politician? But That's what it costs just flat out. Okay. Um, go ahead. But, but the state of Colorado, I was thinking that uh, tax revenues would go down, that there would... Um, that that would also hit the bottom line for the state of Colorado. But the budget has actually gone up significantly uh, over the last few years. And, and Colorado came through the state with additional money, but a lot of that came from the federal government. So this $30 billion that you're talking about here was from everyday hardworking people, that from their pockets, right? But the state of Colorado yeah. did just fine. Yes. Uh, um so we have to differentiate between what we call production-based income, which is real income and wealth, um, and uh, the government printing money and sending it to the states. Those are two different animals, and they have different effects. And I would argue we're paying for that printing of money right now every day in our gas prices and food prices. But back to the damage that we found, um, $30 billion of lost gross domestic product, $10 billion of lost wage and salary income. 450,000 destroyed jobs, job losses, and also 40,000 small businesses crushed. So it's unbelievable. The damage was incredible, and it was highly concentrated among the lower-income and minority populations. So tell me about that, Dr. Prentice. Uh, how was it concentrated there? How, w how were they impacted? How were they hurt? Sure. Uh, the lowest paying industry in Colorado on average is um, hospitality, and then we have recreation and travel. And those are the three hardest hit industries, and those are the three industries with the largest percentage of minority um, workers, entry-level jobs, entry-level jobs that get you started on the economic rung. And if you can't take the first step on the rung, pretty hard to climb the, the rest of the ladder. Mm -hmm. um, so that uh, a lot of the professional class, maybe you included, I'm not sure, uh, but uh, didn't suffer at all economically that we can that we can measure. But we all suffered in some way that we can't measure. And here's here's the idea. You cannot really go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You want to say something? Yeah, no, go okay. ahead. Okay, you can't you can't really measure the loss of value of not being able to live our lives the way we wanted to. Let, let us say that that. Um, I intended to spend $1,000 to visit uh, my dying mother in Cleveland, and I was prevented from doing that. So I spent the $1,000 on something else. That still shows up as $1,000 of consumer spending. <laughs> but think of the loss of value that I didn't get to visit my dying mother. And there's, just, there's no way to even begin to put dollar values on some of this damage. How does this, how do we compare with other states? Did you uh, assess that? Um, only to the extent that we looked at uh, an index by Oxford University that they had published uh, 
a index over the degree of the lockdown severity. How severe was it in different states? Some had very extreme lockdowns for long periods of time. Some had no lockdowns. Some had very short lockdowns, that kind of thing. And we were a little towards the uh, above the middle in, in severity. We were, I think, 23 or 24 out of 50 states um, in severity of the lockdown. We did not look at the economic impact on the other states because that was not our task. Uh, yet a study just came out from the National Bureau of Economic Research. It came out this week doing exactly that, exactly what we would have done if we had enough budget or enough interest uh, from our sponsors. Uh, studied every single state all of the lockdowns, all of the COVID policies, not just lockdowns, but mask mandates, school closings, uh, social distancing, et cetera, and compare that to all the economic outcomes uh, state by state. And they found, they found what you'd expect to find, that, that the higher, the, the more severe the lockdown, the more severe the stringent uh, COVID restriction measures were, of course, the worse the economic outcome. But again, no significant benefit in terms of lower death rates. What about education of our kids during this time? I was talking with a young mom the other day, and I guess it was a friend of hers had said that um, their child's been a very good student, but they feel that they're at least two years behind now. Yeah, that, that's, Kim, that, the, um, what we call the secondary and tertiary effects of this lockdown uh, in Colorado. Um, are going to be extreme. It's going to take several years, perhaps decades, to work its way through. And again, concentrated among low-income and minorities. Uh, we found that uh, we looked at education in the Pikes Peak region, uh, comparing the wealthiest uh, school district to the poorest district. <clears throat> and during the lockdown period, math proficiency in the poor district fell by 16 percentage points. And that was from a pretty low level to begin with. Mm-hmm. But in the wealthy district, it only fell by three percentage points. So that's a lot easier to make up, isn't it? English proficiency in the poor district fell by 10 points, but in the wealthy district fell by only one point. And we found uh, similar patterns, slightly different data, but similar patterns looking at school districts in the Denver area comparing uh, the wealthy uh, Cherry Creek, Creek District 5 compared to the less wealthy uh, Adams School District 14. So, again... <clears throat> what will be the long-term impact of the loss of this education in terms of productivity, of, of earnings, because there's extremely high correlation between educational outcomes and, and earnings and future earnings. So we won't know the full extent of the damage of this, Kim, for years. And by the time we see the damage, it won't be able to look back and say, well, that was due to the lockdown policy. You know, you can't necessarily say that. So you just have to be able to see the unseen. It's very, very difficult. And we, the worst is yet to come in terms of the impact of, of that on the education. And how about the foregone health care? Um, anxiety oh. and depression were up 40% for low-income uh, Coloradans. Only 30% for higher income, which is that enough, but 40% for low income uh, deaths of despair, suicides, and drug overdoses, up 44% from pre lockdown. And Kim uh, suicide attempts were up the sharpest for girls aged 12 to 17. It's a very sort of psychologically tender age group. And the increases in deaths of despair concentrated among low income and minorities with drug overdoses up 67% from pre-lockdown 
and then we found uh, that 40% of low-income adults uh, delayed or, or did not even go to a medical procedure that they needed. And we're not talking about fixing a home toenail or something like that. We're, we're talking about major cancer screenings, um, heart scans, those kind of things. 40% of low-income adults uh, delayed or, or never even had a necessary medical procedure, and the result of that will be years down the road. And only 28% of high-income people delayed it because they've got more availability, more resources. So the very people that could least afford to be hurt by this lockdown were the ones who were the most hurt. I'm thinking if a politician did not like minorities and if a politician did not like lower-income people, they could hardly have come up with a better policy to crush them. It's, it is a truly remarkable. What should, before we go to break, I could not believe that I call them PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, that they came out and they said that there's some businesses that were essential and some that were not essential. And, of course, the essential businesses were the big guys, and the non-essential was the everyday people. I mean, I think about all these little ethnic restaurants. Many of them are immigrants that have come come here and they're trying to get their their shot at the American dream. So they open up their little restaurant, they serve ethnic food and they were closed down. And the narrative of caring about lower income people, caring about children, caring about immigrants that the radical activist Democrats put out there all the time, their policies don't they don't walk the talk yes yeah, so i i could speak to that at length after the break or i could start it now whatever you wish <laughs> let's let's uh, let's go to break i'm talking with dr paul prentice regarding uh the the academic study that is published at the independence institute and the title on it is unequal opportunities unequal outcomes the covid 19 recession in colorado we'll be right back Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And I'm talking with Dr. Paul Prentice uh, regarding the the uh, academic study that he has done, his uh, research 
intern was um, Jim Royal. This The academic study is Unequal Opportunities, Unequal Outcomes, the COVID-19 Recession in Colorado. Dr. Prentice, I, I was shocked as I was thinking about PBIs coming in and saying which businesses are essential, which aren't. The big guys were considered essential. The little guys were considered non-essential, but yet it was pretty essential for them to have their businesses open so that they could take care of themselves and their families. And the radical activist Democrats say that they're for immigrants. And I looked at all these little ethnic restaurants out there immigrants that have come to America to get their shot at the American dream. They've opened up their little restaurant with ethnic uh, food and they're closed down during this break. There's nothing compassionate about that, uh, Dr. Prentice. Um, I would agree, Kim. Uh, During the the lockdown, if you look at the national data, the Standard & Poor's 500 index rose 41% in value. Those are the 500... um, among the 500 largest companies in America. Uh, The Dow Jones Industrial Average, the top 30 industrial companies, their stock prices went up 34%. And in Colorado, we found some of the Fortune 500 companies headquartered here, and their increase was 61%. While Meanwhile, we crushed 40,000 of those small businesses. So absolutely, the, the wealthier got wealthier, the poorer got poorer, which is not the normal case. The normal case of a market economy is there's always unequal outcomes, but you want to have equal opportunities. Um, and, and when the guns of government get involved in picking winners and losers, uh, we don't have a market economy. In fact, we don't even have freedom. I, I was shocked, not so much at COVID itself or even the policy response to COVID. Kim, I was shocked at the average American's docile response to having their rights taken away. Um, but I, I, I interviewed a, a, a minority entrepreneur couple, a Hispanic-Korean couple. They have two kids, one with special needs, and their dream was to build a family business to provide independence and a good income. Uh, they started a small business in 2013, invested seven years of blood, sweat, and tears, as all of us have done when we started a business, in addition to financial resources. Uh, the children worked in the business with them. They struggled and turned to profitability in 2018, whereupon they sold their house and went to live in an apartment so they could recapitalize their business to open a second outlet. So they were successful in opening a second outlet with that investment expanded to a second location, ultimately created entry-level jobs for 35 low-income earners. And they just set a record for sales revenue when the government lockdown forced them to close. Um, They eventually had to file bankruptcy. They lost everything. They were facing fines, as most small businesses were, of up to $15,000 a day if they tried to stay open. It was unbelievable. Their entire American dream was crushed. And and Kim, multiply that by 40,000 small businesses. And then what was the damage from the unemployment? Even though people received unemployment checks, that's not the same thing as production-based income. Uh, The damage was deep and concentrated among low-income and minorities. Uh, The very people that the political ruling class, if I could use that word, uh, term, (laughs) claim to to care about. And frankly, the very people that that voted this political ruling class into office. It's weird, huh? <laughs> it, it 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 really is. I'm just. I, it, it's absolutely. I, I mean, there's risk in starting a business, 
but to have government come in and pick winners and losers. And I'd forgotten about that, Dr. Prentice, that if you tried to open your business, that you were going to be fined. But once again, the big guys had their businesses open. I, I, and then you mentioned America's, uh, many Americans' docile response to this. And um, I, I would say that Americans are, they're, they're good folks. They, wanna, they want to uh, follow the law. Uh, we've, we always talk about America as a place with the rule of law, which is true. However, there can be bad laws. There can be laws that are not constitutional. There can, and these weren't even laws. A lot of these were just public policy that was coming down from unelected bureaucrats that had no skin in the game. And, and also, they are employees of the state, so they're living off of hardworking people. They're, not, they're living off of the production dollars or money coming from the federal government, which is either borrowed or taken from others as well. And and they never understood that there. I don't think they understood just how draconian and how these policies were really hurting people because they never really saw the effects of it. What's your thoughts on that, Doctor Prentice? Well, that's why I appreciate you having me on on the show. You know, we published this report in October and it got some press and a little bit of, of media, but it kind of languished over the winter. But now that we see the uh, governments around the world, not just in in Colorado, but they're thinking about it and they're talking about it. And Anthony Fauci is even saying that they might go back to recommending lockdowns and mask mandates are still for travel and so forth. They might do this again. And so the fact that we're talking about it now, getting out the actual hard data, showing just how severe the economic damage was and who got hurt by that, and all for none uh, very little, if any, none health benefit in terms of reduced deaths. Um, it's it's important that this gets out now before they try it again, and that's that's kind of a mission I'm on. I appreciate your help in this. Uh, we need to get the word out that, that the damage was extreme. It was concentrated among those who could afford it the least, and it was to no health benefit, and don't they dare try this again. Well, it's so interesting. I had uh, Dr. James Lines-Weiler and Dr. Jill Vecchi on, uh, I guess it was yesterday, I think it was, <laughs> the days there's so much going on. And uh, he had written uh, something in his um, it's, um, substack, Popular Rationalism, that Fauci and a number of the elites had the gridiron press dinner just recently, uh, 650 people in Washington, D.C., no masks. Everybody w- had to show proof of vaccination. They had to have a COVID test. They got together, and uh, out of that 650, I think over 70 people uh, then tested positive for COVID after that. But my point is, is if, in fact, they were really concerned that COVID was deadly, and if, in fact, the vaccines really worked, nobody would, um, first of all, have shown up at this event if they thought it was so deadly. And second of all, if the vaccines work, then how is it that they also then afterwards tested positive for COVID? And my point that I want to make is here is uh, Dr. Fauci that is uh, kind of saber rattling that he might want to shut down everyday hardworking people's lives again when he's not walking his talk. It is quite something. I also read recently that an entire cruise ship with 100% vaccinated passengers, a couple of thousand of them, because you had to be vaccinated to even get on the ship, um, had a major COVID outbreak. Uh, 
what we found, and we knew this fairly early on, Kim, uh, um, after the two weeks to flatten the curve, it's now 106 weeks later. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the highest risk group was, was the elderly with two or three comorbidities. And the average age of COVID death, I think this is nationally in the U.S., but it might be worldwide, is 82 years old, which is past the normal expiration date. So it was very easy to identify who was at risk um, manage them in terms of, of, of at least sheltering or protecting those high-risk people and leaving the rest of us alone, and none of this would have, damage would have occurred. Dr. Prentice, we've talked about this. I've talked about this with different guests, and that is the Great Reset, and it's the Davos Group, the globalist elites, that... Um, I think there's just been a real assault on the American middle class because the Great Reset uh, does not – it's either going to have the elites or the low income. There's really no nobody in the middle. And the great thing about the American idea is this big, broad middle class where everyday people can thrive and prosper. The couple – I'm going to be thinking about this all day – is this immigrant couple that basically – you know, sold their house, put all their money into uh, building a business and then opening a second location and government closing them down and ultimately that uh, they declared bankruptcy. And here they were on the path to success and government came in and they picked winners and losers. It absolutely breaks my heart. But here they were, they were wanting to be part of that American dream where they could create wealth, wealth for them, themselves and their families. I, I, I just, it's just, beyond belief that we have public policy that is assaulting this American dream. You know, it it does make you wonder, and you bring up the Great Reset, and and, uh, that's a topic I I think you and your listeners would really enjoy digging into, perhaps with another expert on another day, but it is clearly something going on here beyond just what they say is going on. Well, and you've really delved into um, the effects of these policies. Uh, We're about out of time, Dr. Prentice, but I I would encourage people to take a look at it. You said that there's, on the economic level, you you go through the macroeconomic trends, and then you uh, uh, have been breaking down the Colorado's job losses, and uh, then health outcomes, mental health, deaths of despair, delays in medical procedures, Deaths of despair, I mean, that's that's so final. And to have government policy push people to to that brink is it's cruel to me, Paul Prentice. It is. You know, the title, let me say a couple of things about the title of the report. Unequal opportunities, unequal outcomes. In a market based free society, you're always gonna have unequal outcomes because people are different. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but when the government is forcing the unequal outcomes through for enforcing unequal opportunities, that was the main concern, is that this is a policy-driven recession. So when we say the COVID-19 recession, and that's in the title and people say it all the time, it wasn't a COVID recession. It was a government policy response recession because not everybody did this. <laughs> well, and... Uh, it's, just, it's quite shocking. Okay, where's the hope in all this? As we're looking into the future, and again, these PBIs, Fauci, they're talking about additional lockdowns and, and testing positive for COVID. I mean, if if you tested 
for something else and had testing sites all over the country. And, and we also realized many of these tests uh, were not reliable. But you're going to get a, a number of these positive results if you're testing people for all of this. My question was when people said that they had COVID is like, did you get sick? I mean, that, that seemed like that was the, the real question there. Where's the hope in all this, though, uh, after you've delved into this? I guess it's probably knowledge, but what's your thoughts on that, Dr. Prentice? Uh, I think there, there's the, um, we're maybe in the early or mid stages of what I call the fourth great awakening. Uh, the American people are starting to wake up to what's going on around them, and they do not want to buy into this great reset, the World Economic Forum, the centralized command and control of the economy, which means the centralized control of our lives, which is some form of socialism, communism, fascism, call it whatever you want. It's about totalitarianism, and they see it coming at us like a freight train, and they are stepping up. And so I think we're going to be able to turn this back both um, electorally uh, through electing stronger and better leaders that understand constitutional principles and then pass legislation that would reflect that, and then just in general living our lives the way we were meant to live uh, as free human beings. Well, and I agree with you. I think that uh, there is a great awakening that is occurring. Uh, I think Colorado is at the tip of the spear for everything that is happening here in our country and really in the world as well. And and I say when we start the show uh, I, to our listeners that you were made for this moment in history. And it's, it's a very exciting time. It's somewhat tumultuous. Uh, but I so appreciate this academic study that you've done. It is extensive. And the title of it is Unequal, Opportun- Unequal Opportunities, Unequal Outcomes, the COVID-19 Recession in Colorado. But it's actually the government-induced recession in Colorado. Uh, your final thought on all this, Dr. Prentice? Um, I think you said it very well. <laughs> the, the, the final thought is that we will not comply if they try this again. We, we cannot comply. We have to take our rights back. Well said, Dr. Paul Prentice, and I greatly appreciate you as our guest today. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, I want to hear what's on your radar. Phone number is 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson. M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I so greatly appreciate that. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity. 
by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something is a good idea, you should not have to force people to do that. And uh, again, I want to hear what's on your radar, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. Producer Steve, let's bite off while we're waiting for some calls. Um, this uh, this comment that you made about moving to the center, moving to the middle, and I, we hear that a lot. And I think that there's this idea of coming together, uniting, um, moving to the middle. But what has happened is that narrative has been used to move us to the left. The radical activist left has never moved to the middle. They've pulled, they've pulled us over to a point where we're giving up a bunch of our freedoms in this quest of bipartisanship, moving to the middle. And um, that narrative, I know what, I think I know what you were meaning, is that um, we, we want to get away from the, the radical side on the left and the right, but they have used that to, I think, take away our freedoms. What's your thoughts? Well, you break up an excellent point there. Uh, poor choice of words on my part to a degree, but maybe let's stay with it for a second. Okay. Um, voter integrity, let's say. I mean, okay. w- but when I say let's get back to the center, I'm pushing for the balance that what we need in our, you know, bipolar. <laughs> bipolar. No, no, no. Don't go there. Uh, <laughs> But the fact that there are two modes of thought, and you know that usually drives itself out into the uh, conservative side versus the more liberal side of things. But uh, in that idea of staying in the center, this says that there's balance. Okay. So, so. Use, using voter integrity as an example, okay. we just recently, just a short time ago, went through a major general election. The outcome is not near is clear as as maybe our friends on the left would want us to think that it is so it, by pushing voter integrity uh something as simple as showing an id to vote uh that's that's my idea of getting back towards the center or back towards balance okay and i think maybe what you mean is is balance and i th- i think that's Important, but we have to realize that in this move for balance, we cannot give up our constitutional rights. And uh, there's been such an assault on that uh, that we cannot give those uh, those rights those rights up. Uh, we've got a caller, Mark in Sedalia. Mark, welcome to the show. Good morning. Um, thanks for having. Um Dr. Prentice on. That was really good. Wouldn't it be nice if we had some economists like him running the, running the state? <laughs> Hopefully we can get something done this next election, and maybe they might tap him for that, huh, Mark? Yeah, yeah that'd, be, that'd be wonderful. Um, my comment was on the Bill 22118. Okay. okay. Um, I think, I think uh, we're having the wrong uh, debate. Um, instead of debating the merits of the different types of energy, we should be demanding our government stay out of the market. Like you were saying, you know, don't don't even get in, get involved with the market. Um, that's that's what we really need to focus on is, is getting them out of the market, getting them out of picking winners and losers, uh, whether it's energy or healthcare or whatever it is. Okay, thank you. I think. Uh, 
I, I appreciate your help on that. And it's absolutely true. We've got government picking winners and losers, using public policy to hold down one industry, uh, and this movement towards pushing us into more and more electri- um, use of electricity. And uh, we did you happen to hear Holly from XL Energy earlier this week, Mark? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. Okay. And so Xcel Energy has been um, basically pushing for their product, their energy source, to be used by Coloradans. And they have, have been able to um, use public policy to try to shut down an energy source, which is our oil and gas industry. And again, let's, let's, get, the, let's, let's get the free market involved and get government out of that. Any final thought on that, Mark? Well, um, I kind of had a different takeaway um, from XL Energy. It seems to me that they, um, they're in a bind because of this public policy. They're reacting to, you know, this goal that the government set of 80 percent, you know, carbon-free by such and such year. So that's what seems to me that's what's really driving XL. So they're, I don't know that they're pushing the agenda their agenda solely. I think it's their, their trust trying to comply with um, the government's policy and, and regulations. Well, and I think Holly did indicate that, I mean, the policy to have us, I know I can't remember the percentage, by 2030 carbon-free, it's unsustainable, it's un, unrealistic. And I guess where, where I uh, would hope is that we would have industry coming out and saying, this isn't going to work. And holding politicians' feet to the fire on that instead of trying to comply. And, and um, I think that's where I'm frustrated is, and I guess you realize that politicians, they hold the cards and businesses are trying to comply to that. But um, yeah. I, I, we, I wish there was courage to come out and say, wait a minute, this isn't going to work. We need to have all of the above regarding our energy sources. Yeah, we need we need the citizens to put the fire to the to the legislature and say, hey, you know, this is you're out of scope, you're out of bounds here. You know, stay out of the market. And if we could get that, then we could solve a lot of problems just automatically. Well, Mark, I think there is a great awakening, as Dr. Prentice had mentioned. So, Mark, thanks so much for your call. Uh huh. Thank you. Bye. Ron in Denver, what's on your radar? Uh, I just wanted to tell you that was a great guest. And uh, that was very informative. I enjoyed that. Uh, and check check it out. It's an extensive study, and and it is at the uh, Independence Institute. And we'll have the link in the summary uh, and when we uh, post that later today. But continue on, Ron. Yeah, I, this is uh, completely. It's another uh, issue. You had a guest on there about the the uh, electric meters and stuff that they were going to try to put in. Um, that was a couple of days ago, I believe. Right. And uh, I had a friend that was going to do that, but he asked some questions. And what they she refu- uh, didn't tell people is that uh, they can shut your power off or gas with a push of a button. So instead of sending somebody out there, they can, uh, if something happens or whatever, they can just shut you off. And, and then you have to work to try to get it back on. So... Um, he, he decided not to do that, that meter, and uh, it, it's just another way of um, control is what it is, and uh, take out the, the human aspect of it. 
you, you hate to really go there, but after we go through this whole COVID thing, and we've seen politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, those PBIs, that determined which businesses were essential and which weren't. If we don't get this thing turned around, you could see those PBIs determining which individuals are essential and which aren't. And on a on a time where we might have uh, brownouts or whatever here in, in Colorado, then it would give... PBIs the power to turn people's power on and off from what you're describing that's pretty terrifying Ron that they could make that determination who gets it and who doesn't right they're already doing it they're they're already picking the winners and losers basically but uh Thank you, and I uh, enjoy your show. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for listening. We're working hard to bring truth and clarity to these issues and help you get your brain around it so that you can engage with your friends and your family and your colleagues. I have to tell you, my friends, that I actually have had some conversations with some folks that had been really left of center. And as they're paying attention to what is happening, I'm starting to see them move to the middle, producer Steve, move to the middle from from over on the left. You have you know used this phrase many times today and, and probably throughout the week, um, which, ascent, which businesses were essential and which ones were not. And, you know, our reaction time sometimes isn't the quickest. You know, and we sit back and go, oh, like we did two years ago. But now I want to ask the question, essential or non-essential, based on what? Based on what? And when Biden's talking about food shortages, again, this is all because of public policy. When they're talking about uh, energy prices going up, uh, at some point in time, will it get to a point where PBIs determine who gets what? And that's the capitalism, capitalism, free people trading value for value is where you get people um, they have the opportunity to thrive and prosper it's the great american idea and it is under attack people are waking up we speak about truth and clarity we search for truth and clarity every day and it's freedom versus force that's the big question producer steve well we our reaction time again was slow they had us back on our heels we hadn't seen a pandemic in our modern times so when they you know jump in the middle of everything and use that phrase essential versus not essential you wonder if we would have pushed back if they would have had the negative impact that they did well i really do appreciate the people that did push back and as you know i was a big pushbacker well yeah (laughs) we know that (laughs) so anyway we're out of time thank you so much for your support for listening i i appreciate it and this thomas Paine quote oh my gosh he said the greatest tyrannies are always perpetuated in the name of the noblest causes so my friends today be grateful read great books think good thoughts listen to beautiful music communicate and listen well live honestly and authentically strive for high ideals and like superman stand for truth justice and the american way my friends you are not alone God bless you and God bless America.